Good morning, friends. Welcome to My Evangel Church Online. My name is Lucas, and this is Marcus, and we're so glad that you're with us. Today, we're going to be asking the question, where is God in all of this? As we start a new series called God and the Pandemic. So stick around for that. And in a moment, I'm going to be asking Pastor Marcus what he's thankful for. So all that and more coming right up. Well, guys, welcome back. We are so excited. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah. We're just so glad you're here with us mm -hmm. today. And as you're watching this, uh, we are also having in-person mm -hmm. gatherings today. So that's a lot of fun. In fact, Pastor Marcus, I think your family is here today. They are. Yeah. And so that, that's going to make for a great Thanksgiving. Yeah. Speaking of Thanksgiving, um, we're going to do like two categories. Like, what are you thankful for? The first category is just going to be something frivolous. So something that doesn't really <clears throat> matter. It could be a stuff or a thing or whatever. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to ask you more seriously, what are you thankful for? Okay. And so just in a frivolous way, kind of what, what are you thankful for? Um, okay, so the first thing that came to mind, this is a little ridiculous, but at youth, we, we played a little bit of a, a game on Tuesday where we like drew our most prized possession. Um, and so I drew mine and I went to share it with my group and they were like, what is that? Um, and what I drew was my Staub Dutch oven. It's nice. like my prized possession. And so that was like the first thing that came to mind. So I feel like that's, that's what it should be. Um, it's red. It's like, I got it before I moved here. I like forced my family to have, to like give like a, you're going away shower thing. Um, and so I received it then. And so it's like my prized possession. I probably use it like three or four times a week. Right like on. it is the thing. So I'm, I'm going to try to impress everybody. Is it one of the ones that has all the little self-basting dimples yes, under is. the lid? Yeah, they're uh, good. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, for me, um, I'm going to have to say I'm most thankful for... Uh, we did the same thing. I'm going to go with the same thing at youth because we did that in our group too. And I drew a picture of this trail going up into the mountains. And so just in a frivolous mm. way, in a, like I just love the mountains. I'm thankful for the mountains. I'm thankful for the opportunity to just to live in a place where we can have access to all of that beauty. Yeah, you, you really so, chose the right spot, I guess, love if it. the mountains are what you want. Yeah. So. so second then, what are you thankful for? And let's bring it kind of back to like, kind of things that, that really matter in life. Family, relationships, faith, um, all of that. Um, what are you thankful for? Oh, uh, well, my stop. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, you, you did actually say it in our intro video. Uh, one of the things I'm most thankful for is my family. They're here with me. Um, we, my family lives like across BC, all the way from Williams Lake until here. And so we're kind of all spread out. Uh, and so I'm thankful that my family is here with me right now, but that they're also near in the province. Um, and so that's always a fun time to celebrate um, holidays like this together. And so I'm excited yeah. for that. Uh, I'm really thankful in this season that although life is challenging, we find ourselves in crazy situations that God hasn't left, that God is still here, that his kingdom is still being established here, mm -hmm. uh, and that even when my eyes maybe can't see it, that he's still working in my life. And so that's one of the things I'm thankful for too. Awesome. Uh, and I'm thankful for you guys, my church family. 
Um, this has been such a warm and welcoming place to, to start ministry in. Uh, it's been a great staff that I've got to be a part of. And so my church family is also something I'm so thankful for, both online and as we gather in person too, because you guys are just as uh, important and valuable to me. So everybody write aww in yeah. the comments. And, uh, and a shout out to uh, family in Williams Lake. Yeah. If they're watching. Who yeah, knows? They, now, now they have to. We'll, we'll, we'll Sometimes they on. jump on. Yeah, so good. They could be here. Yeah, shout out. Um, for me, yeah, uh, similar. You know, family, obviously. Uh, I guess uh, hope. Hmm. I'm thankful for hope. Um, I'm thankful for the fact that no matter what things look like, there's always hope. Yeah. And we can always cling to hope. And there's always a future that we walk into. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess that's the beautiful gift that Jesus gives us, yeah. is that there's always a future to walk into, mm -hmm. whether here or, or whether in the kingdom to come. And, and so I'm yeah. so thankful for that hope that carries us yeah. and carries us through. Well, thanks for joining, man. Thank you. And uh, we're gonna jump in it. Sounds good. Hey guys, welcome back. You know what, when, when this pandemic hit our world, I, I, I don't think any of us were really prepared for the ramifications of it all. You know, in, in such a short time, everything got turned on its head. So many changes. And, and I think in, in many ways, we were left asking more questions than we had answers for. And the idea of having more questions than answers is an interesting one because it kind of creates two different types of people. Uh, for some, it stalls them in their journey. Uh, the fear of the unknown, the, in, the inability to make a decision because of not having all the information in order to make you know, a decision with, with limited risk. Uh, it causes some people to kind of stall out and kind of stick with what, what they know and what they can control. Now, the other type of person in a situation like this might be the type of person who sees opportunity in obstacles. Uh, you might be the type of person where you kind of you're okay with taking risks. You're okay with stepping out into the unknown just to see what happens and just to see what's out there. Uh, adventure, um, risk takers. Instead of obstacles, you see opportunities. And I have an idea. I suspect that those of us who know and have relationship with the creator of the universe are called to be the latter group. We're called to be those that see hope in any kind of situation. Those that can lean into trust despite the circumstances around us. And, but that's easy to say. And, and, and I think that there are some steps that we need to take to become those kinds of people. I, I don't think many of us, to be honest, are naturally kind of wired that way. I think most of us would rather have a better sense of knowing before we risk stepping into the unknown. But faith calls us to something that may be uncomfortable. But there's a bit of a process to get there. And that's really what we're going to be talking about in this series, God and the Pandemic. It's a series about discovering the steps we need to take, both individually and as a community of faith, to get maybe unstalled, maybe to get the wheels moving in the right direction, even into the unknown, to discover what God has for us in this season. It's a season of stirring up faith in one another. And before we really get into this, we do have to say that 
what we're talking about, God and the pandemic, is not an original thought. It's not an original idea. In fact, N.T. Wright, uh, uh, one of the great theologians of our day, uh, wrote a book called God and the Pandemic. And as we as a staff, we took a season to read that. And so we're using that book and some of that thinking to help springboard our conversation together for the next few weeks. And so we hope that you join us. So let's, you know, Tom, thank you for your work on this and uh, for beating us to the punch on that great title. But uh, let's pray and then we're going to dig in. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and your graciousness. We thank you, Lord, that despite what circumstance look like in our lives, that you are in control, that there's always hope. There's always hope. And so, God, we just lean into you and we thank you for your goodness. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you teach us Would you reveal, more than teach intellectually, but reveal your truths to our heart, to our soul, that, God, we would be those that would be stirred in our faith and not stalled out in this season, but rather moving forward into the future that you've designed for each and every one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, where do we begin with this? Where where do we find God and hope in this season, and you, and you might not like the answer initially. The, the very first thing that we need to do as a church, as individuals, is we need to lament. We need to grieve. We, we need to name what we've lost and grieve that loss. Now you might say, whoa, Lucas, do you know what day it is? You know, uh, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, let, let's maybe bring things up a notch. Let's, uh, let's be a little more hopeful. Uh, let's not talk about lament on Thanksgiving, but I, I want to just put it to you that perhaps, perhaps the thing that is in the way of our Thanksgiving is our need to lament. So sometimes the obstacle for not grieving is the obstacle to our gratefulness. And I want to convince you of that today. N.T. Wright, he writes, Grief, after all, is part of love. Not to grieve, not to lament, is to slam the door on the same place in the innermost heart from which love itself comes. We need to lament. This is a part of our human condition. This is, we're going to see that this is a part of Jesus' ministry on this earth. Uh, He models this for us. You know, the Psalms alone, you know, you read the Oxford Handbook, it says the canonical book of the Psalms comprises approximately 42 Psalms of lament, about 30 of which are individual Psalms of lament, and the rest are communal. Most lament Psalms have the following typical features, invocation, complaint, request, expression of confidence, and vow of praise. I love that. 42 is 28% of the Psalms are about grieving and lamenting loss. So let's define lament. The Oxford Dictionary defines lament this way, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is going to be our big thing today. If you're taking notes, those of you new to Evangel Church and our experience, uh, we like to take notes. And typically what we like to bring to you is like a main thing statement. And this is it for today. Grieving what you lost is the first step to entering a new 
future. I'm going to say that again. Grieving what you've lost is the first step to entering a new future. There's an interesting account of Jesus in the book of John. In John uh, chapter 11. And Jesus, it would seem at this point, has retreated uh, to a place beyond the Jordan where his cousin John had been baptizing in preparation for his ministry and his time on earth. And it, it seems to be that Jesus is in a little bit of a moment of retreat. And that's kind of important because he receives some news while he's on that retreat that his friend Lazarus is sick. In, in fact, not only is he sick, uh, he's sick in, in terms of um, there's a good chance he's going to pass away. This is like a bedside um, moment. And Jesus receives this news. And, and what he does is he says, he says, this, this thing, this whole situation is so that I can be revealed. I can be glorified. And then he stays in that place for another two days. Well, in the meantime, Lazarus dies. So you can imagine uh, Jesus is on what we would consider maybe a bit of a spiritual retreat, you know, a bit of a vacation you think that would take second kind of place to his friend being sick uh, and kind of nigh unto death. But Jesus stays an extra two days. Well, well, Lazarus dies. And then Jesus shows up and Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary, uh, they, they don't really understand why Jesus didn't come earlier because they really believe, they had faith to believe that, that Jesus could have saved Lazarus, his friend. And so we have this moment and if you turn to, to John eleven thirty three, uh, Martha is called her sister Mary over to see Jesus. And in verse 33 of John 11, we, we see Jesus' response. Uh, if you need a Bible and you're tracking with us right now, we'd invite you to just visit myevangel.church forward slash Bible. And we have some resources there that can get a Bible in your hand like right now, um, but also a physical Bible in your hand in the near future. So just myevangel.church forward slash Bible, and you can follow along with us right now. Well, verse 33 of John 11 says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved, underline that, deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then again in verse 38, we see kind of the same language. It says, then Jesus deeply moved again. Underline that, deeply moved. Came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. You know, the word used here for deeply moved in the Greek is, is a little bit complicated, uh, which makes deciphering what's going on here a little bit um, challenging, to say the least. Uh, the word can be translated that Jesus was deeply angry in this moment. But perhaps he was, but I suspect that's not all that was going on here. Um, you know, he might have been, been angry, but... Jesus was never really shy about calling out the hypocrisy around him, and yet he doesn't, he doesn't address it here. More likely, the word spoke of being, it speaks of being wrung out with anguish. In fact, the word is, is used to describe the snorting of a horse. 
Um, the uncontrollable convulsion of the body. Uh, in, in, in our language, we, we would say, when, when it says Jesus wept or Jesus was deeply moved, we would say something like, Jesus ugly cried. Jesus, you know that kind of cry? That convulsing, hard kind of cry? It would seem with the language here that Jesus in this moment kind of ugly cried. Now, what, what Jesus was grieving in this moment, it's, it's hard to tell what he was grieving. Uh, perhaps he was empathizing with the obvious grief of his sisters, of, of Lazarus' sisters. Now, perhaps he kind of was joining with the groaning of the Spirit, which groans for the kingdom of God to, to come in, 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 to this earth in this moment. Or maybe he was feeling the weight of what was to come for himself. You know, Jesus was about to be that one in the tomb awaiting resurrection life. So maybe it was all of it. Maybe it was the hypocrisy of that moment. Maybe it was um, the belief that Jesus could, you know, heal if Lazarus was, was alive, but the grief in knowing that they didn't believe that he could raise as the Messiah, as the creator of the world. Um, but perhaps too, he, he was struck by the, the reality that he'd be the one in the tomb awaiting resurrection life. We don't know. But what we do know is Jesus grieved deeply in this moment. He lamented in this moment. N.T. Wright says, we have to keep going. <laughs> we tell ourselves, we have to be strong. Who's ever told themselves, I, you gotta be strong? Well, yes. Strong like Jesus, who wept at the tomb of his friend. Strong like the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead and will give life to our mortal bodies too. But who, rightly now, is pleading for us with groanings too deep for words. Strong like the person who learns to wait patiently for the Lord and expects neither easy answers nor easy words to say to the world. Why grieve? Why lament? Because some of the most powerful moments we have recorded of Jesus' life are preceded by deep sorrow. A, a, a profound wrenching of the heart of God himself. You know, if you think about it, the tomb of his friend, but, but, but also you think about the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, where do we see Jesus? Jesus laments hard in the Garden of Gethsemane. He grieves what he is about to lose in a profound way to the point where he's sweating, drops of sweat and blood mixed together, mingled together. And yet, through that grieving process, God the Father sent ministering angels to strengthen him and then he went from grieving that to walking into that future, into walking to Calvary to bearing his cross to the point of death and the creator of the universe hanging for the sins of the world. But it was preceded by deep, deep lament, sorrow, and grief. Grieving what you lost is the first step to entering a new future. Out of lament comes fresh action, N.T. Wright says. So, so why, why must we speak of lament on a day like Thanksgiving? <laughs> uh, 
right? I already alluded to that. Like, come on, lighten up, man. This is Thanksgiving. We're supposed to be feeling good. Well, because the process of grief may be the very thing that opens up your eyes to your future. Sometimes when we don't grieve the things we've lost, we lose perspective for the things that are ahead of us. And in order to be grateful, we need a proper perspective. To not grieve loss leaves you in the present and, and with a one-dimensional perspective of the world around you. To not grieve and, and, and lament sometimes means you remain stuck. You remain stuck. But more dangerous than that, it puts us in a prime situation to begin the process of, of bitterness growing up in our heart. You know, to think about the world. I mean, heck, think about the church right now. What are we doing right now? We're doing a lot of finger pointing. And perhaps in this season, we need to do less finger pointing. That party or this party or that idea or that idea or that movement or those people or that people. Perhaps God in this season is not calling the church necessarily to have answers, but is calling the church to this place of unity that is birthed out of us just simply acknowledging that we've lost some things, both in the church, in our culture, in our society. And perhaps we're being called to model something different to this world and to lament and grieve what we've lost. I wonder what, we would, what would happen if we as a church just took a step back and named the things that we've lost and just simply grieved it together. Not, not pointing, not blaming, not just step back and naming it and grieving it together. I wonder if in this season that is the role of the church, to reveal the power of lament to the world. You know, N.T. Wright writes, our culture is afraid because it seems to be afraid of the fear itself. Frightened that even to name grief will be to collapse forever. I wonder if we can kind of do something together today. Uh, either in the quiet place of your heart or perhaps you, you feel bold and inspired to maybe even share it in the comments today. But I wonder if we can name what we've lost. Give what we've lost a name. What have you lost? What have we collectively lost? And, and let's set aside a moment to grieve it together, to lament it together, to feel it together. Now, there's some of you who you're watching or perhaps today we're, we're meeting in person, perhaps you're meeting in person, that you've lost more than just the typical COVID stuff that we all share and have lost. Some, some have lost loved ones in this season. And I'm so sorry, because not only are you grieving the loss of your loved one, you're, you're grieving the loss of the ability to celebrate their life with, with friends and family gathered together. I can't imagine what you're going through, but I think we need to name it and we need to acknowledge it. And we as a community of faith need to rally together and go, that, that sucks, that really sucks. And we're so sorry and we, we mourn that with you. We grieve that with you. You know, some of you have lost work. You've lost jobs. That sucks. That's, that, that's not, 
That's not easy. And, 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 and we're with you. We acknowledge that. We mourn that and we grieve that with you. You know, there's so many things. Some of us, maybe perhaps even in the season, we've lost our health. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you, you know, what's the, what's the saying? You know, as long as you have your health. Uh, and some of you have even lost your health in this season. You're fighting aches and pains or sickness or, or different things. Some of you are fighting COVID. That sucks. I'm so sorry. We grieve that with you. We mourn that with you because it's a loss. Anything that that hinders our our kind of way of living, we, we that's a loss. We need to grieve it. We need to acknowledge it. We need to acknowledge that it's it's not fun and it's not good. We grieve that with you. So we're gonna take a moment, just allow the Holy Spirit to maybe name some things in your own spirit. And I'm just gonna ask you, either in the comments, if you're, if you're brave and you wanna be vulnerable like that and might maybe lead the way, um, we, we need leaders among us that, that'll take a chance and risk something here and lead the way. Um, what have you lost in this season? Let's name it and let's just invite the Spirit to help us in a process of grieving it and lamenting that loss so we can move on to a brighter future, so we can move on to new things. But we got to acknowledge it before we move on. So Lord, right now in this moment, would you speak to our hearts? Would you reveal maybe some of the things that we've forgotten about, some of the things that we just need to acknowledge as a community of faith? Well, we, we grieve the loss of gathering together in a way that, that we're used to. We, we grieve the loss of um, worshiping and singing together, just un, unabandoned, unhindered. We grieve the loss of dinners with friends and people over in our homes and community and, and relationship and conversation. And God, we grieve that loss. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take us into a new future. That God, the things that hurt, the things that are painful in this present day would not stall us out, would not cause us to stop but rather, Lord, we would take risks, that we would take steps of faith as you heal our hearts from the loss and the pain, that you would, Lord God, lead us into a new future. That you would make room in our hearts and room in our, our mind's eye to see and our spiritual eye to see um, those next steps you're setting before us individually and as a church and as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, I believe that in grieving, we are taking first steps into a new future. Now, now don't go get me wrong. You know, grieving is not a one-time event. So we're not pretending like this is just a one-time event. Grieving is a process. Uh, any, any of you that have had significant loss in your life, you know that it's not a one-time event. It's a process. And it never maybe even gets fully healed but there's a trajectory towards healing that we can take as we name it, as we live with it, as we give it over to Jesus. Uh, there's a process we can walk out that causes the future to open up before us and give us fresh perspective. However, I think a great indicator that we are truly grieving is you begin to see the path set before you. You, you begin to see and experience the grace of God to begin to take those next steps into the future. 
And I believe as individuals in the church, God has that for us. Grieving what you lost is the first step to entering a new future. So this Thanksgiving, I, I pray that you find a profound hope for your future. And that as you grieve and lament loss, God would just unplug some things in your heart, in your life, in your spirit. And we can't just stay the same friends, you know. We, we, we've gotten comfortable in so many ways in this season even. It's funny how we can adapt pretty quickly. Um, but I wanna, I wanna just challenge each and every one of us that let's grieve loss, but let's start thinking about what is the future and what is, what is my role in that future? Hmm. For my family, for my church, for this community, uh, what am I being called to? And friends, it's time. It's time to begin to take small steps into that future. So Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and your gracious. Lord, this Thanksgiving, we thank you that there's always hope. And we thank you, Lord God, that you go before us. So Lord, would you cause us to lament well, to grieve well, but God, would you give us eyes to see in the spirit all that you have ahead for your church, for our families, for us as individuals. And God, that we would become those not stuck in what we know and can control, but rather those that move forward and take risks and see opportunity where the others see obstacles. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we close, I just want to say this Thanksgiving, I am so thankful for you. I'm thankful for you, my church family. Um, I'm thankful for the future that God has set before us. I'm thankful for Jesus that makes a way for everyone that will accept his gift of salvation and life. I'm thankful for the spirit that unites us and brings us together. And um, God bless. And I just pray that you have a, just a blessed and happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you guys next week.